Preparing to delve in three, two, one. In a cave I am. Oh, hi. Thanks for following on in. Good thing that we're talking about Star Wars today because you're not going to take any damage from that. Hey! So, on this episode of Citanium Mine, I thought it would be great if we actually discussed, uh, like, a mainline game from a big company. Uh, I don't do that all that much, but uh, I do play quite a few of them. And so on this episode, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yes, we're talking about an EA game, and usually that's a very scary prospect because, obviously, Electronic Arts. And although they have had kind of a sketchy history and have been, well, not particularly good to work for, if all claims are true, and if the Better Business Bureau is to be believed, and have had a pretty bad relationship with a lot of their games and problems with microtransactions and pay-to-win models and really just selling out a lot of their sports series with gambling mechanics, mishandling a lot of their Star Wars license ever since they got it because did you play Battlefront 2? Anyway, the point is, there's been a long and very troubled history when it came to EA, especially when it came to single-player experiences. So when the company said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're actually going to make a Star Wars game, and it's going to be a single-player game, like an action-adventure game, and there's going to be no microtransactions involved, and it's not going to be anything like that. A lot of people were rightfully skeptical of that uh, assertion because the, the proof is in the pudding. And so I recently got a hold of it. Uh, since I have Xbox Game Pass, they have now integrated uh, EA Play. And so there's been a whole host of EA games that I have just had available to me now. And I thought I, I always meant to play Fallen Order at some point. Now is as good a time as any to see exactly what Star Wars Dark Souls is going to be like. One of the reasons I had actually stayed away from it was because of that assertion that they made, that this is going to have a lot of Dark Souls qualities to it. And in case people are not aware, I'm, I'm not a fan of Dark Souls or Souls-like games. I, I am bad at them. I am not good, and I find that they become very, very annoying. I, I do not like the whole thing where I constantly die, and then my experience points get, like, stored where I died, and I gotta get back to that point, or I'm gonna lose my experience points, and I get bumped back to a previous spot, and then all the monsters that I just previously killed are, are back. And, and like, I, I just, I, those mechanics just never really worked for me, and I, I didn't enjoy them. The thing that was really a saving grace for me was the developer. The developer of this game is Respawn. Respawn is actually a super solid dev house. And they have been, before they were even under EA, they made the absolutely terrific uh, Titanfall and Titanfall 2. Uh, I got to play Titanfall 2. Uh, and remember that this is kind of like before EA was really involved with their dev process at all. If you have not gotten a chance to play Titanfall 2, by the way, it, it really is terrific. If you like shooters especially, you are going to love it, but it is so silky smooth. 
The frame rate is amazing. The combat is terrific. And their online component that they did for Titanfall 2 was, was terrific. That giant mechs, uh, you know, r- running over walls and everything like that. Uh, they, they did a, a terrific job with it, and it was so super fun. And then, just earlier in 2019, they also made that a Fortnite killer, Apex Legends, which like came out of nowhere and ended up being like a huge thing, at least for a while. Uh, and Respawn is just really good at, at, at development of games. And so they said, hey, let's have you work on Star Wars, which I, I kind of found interesting, a breath of fresh air. I was glad that they had that particular dev house working on it. And at the same time, a lot of people, including myself, were wondering, hey, EA has BioWare, and BioWare made a single-player series about Star Wars. Why didn't they do that? Well, it turns out that they were just focused on making that whole Anthem thing, so that was a good move. Anywho, the general story behind Jedi Fallen Order, you're playing Cal Kestis. Uh, Cal has successfully avoided getting murdered during Order 66. So this is happening after the prequels, but before the original trilogy. And he is hiding out on this planet and trying to not use his Jedi powers or even reveal that he was ever, like, a, a Padawan. He, he wants to be kind of out of the whole thing. But of course, protagonists in Star Wars, movies, games, etc., media in general, don't really usually get to do that. They kind of have to get pulled into this much larger picture. And Cal is no exception, and ends up on the run from the Empire, and eventually fighting to re-establish the Jedi Order. That's the basic premise here, and it takes you to a variety of different planets uh, around the Star Wars universe, some that you are probably familiar with, some that you may not be, where he has to basically get a hold of this holocron. By finding this holocron, it should have all of the names of the other Force-sensitive children around the galaxy so that they could go collect them and start reestablishing the Order. So it's a pretty straightforward setup for what they're doing, and it allows them to get this game underway. When I started the game, I was playing on Jedi Knight. There are a few different levels of difficulty settings up at the beginning. So you've got story mode, and then you've got like a Jedi Knight, Jedi Master, and Jedi Ultra Master, or something like that. Super Master. Those those three other levels, besides story mode, are basically different versions of that kind of Dark Souls gameplay, where you have to be very conscientious about how you are acting in combat, you have to get used to blocking and dodging attacks that you can't block, you have to be able to dodge, you have to kind of get down this very intricate combat system as a Jedi, even if you're not dealing with other Jedis in combat. Uh, even with just basic monsters, because they're going to bowl you over immediately if you don't know how the system works. That is interesting, and it is definitely the most Dark Souls part of this, As in, in addition to, you know, meditating so that you can recover your health points and then all the monsters respawn because you did that at certain save points around the world, and if a monster kills you, you have your experience basically tagged to them, so until you can successfully hit them in combat, that experience is locked away from you. Things like that, that are very Dark Souls related. 
But in addition to the whole Dark Soulsiness of this game, there are a lot of other mechanics that are going to remind you of a bunch of other games. If you played any of like the 3D Sonic games bouncing from one thing to another, there, there's a little bit of that. Uh, I know that some people have brought that up before. Metroid-style exploration and uncovering in the game, and that is definitely a part of it. Uh, it borrows heavily from a lot of games. Luckily, it borrows from a lot of really good ones, so I'm not going to criticize it. The one that I was really fascinated with was, if you look at how much like sliding and wall running there is, a game that typically doesn't get brought up when they're talking about Jedi Fallen Order is Prince of Persia, because it did often feel like I was playing Prince of Persia. You know when Ubisoft got Sands of Time? going like they revamped the series and brought out Sands of Time. There were lots of sequences where it felt like I was in that game, but with a Star Wars coat of paint. But there really is a lot of different game series that this borrows from. So how did Jedi Knight difficulty go for me? Well, it, it didn't go terrific. I did play it for a while, and I was kind of getting the hang of it, but there was a point where there's this big frog thing uh, and it was like a boss monster in like the first real world you go to. I think it's Bogano. You go into this little cave area, and I wanted to get whatever treasures he had, but the little but the, this big frog just kept bowling me over. And no matter how many times I did it, I, I must have tried like six, seven times. I I was just getting killed continuously. Now I am very happy to tell you, uh, I was able to finally defeat the monster and get its magical prizes. But it did kind of set the tone for the difficulty of the rest of the game. And there was a point where I got to, like, I think really the first big world. Uh, because there is one particular world that is much, much larger than a lot of the other ones. And I just kept finding these little hurdles where I had to go and do a thing over and over and over again. Where it stopped being fun. This is really why I don't play Souls-likes games, because... It, it gets to the point where the challenge is it just outweighs it being fun. And so I did the thing that I, I decided to do just so that I could enjoy playing the game, and I did throw it into story mode. Now, this is the part that I found fascinating. In Jedi Knight or higher, those difficulty settings really do play like Dark Souls. However, if you throw it into story mode, the whole thing plays a whole lot more like Force Unleashed, or Jedi Knight. And that is a huge improvement from my standpoint, because then you get to feel like a badass Jedi that's going around and doing your Jedi moves and, and you know, wiping out stormtroopers and all of that, uh, and really being the Jedi that you want to feel like, you know, being, being able to, you know, saw the legs out from underneath the, the chicken walkers, the ATSTs, and, and all of that. You get that experience. And so it became ultimately more enjoyable. It also does become fairly easy because I don't think I died at all after that point. But it is uh, very, very entertaining. One of the things you find later on in the game, too, is uh, bounty hunters that are coming after you. So again, you're going to get a little bit of Middle Earth, Shadow of War kind of going on in there, too. They do borrow from a lot of things, and that's okay. I, I appreciate that, because they borrowed good things and good mechanics from all of that. Uh, but obviously, when you are in story mode, 
those, which I'm sure are supposed to be very, you know, big event style things that you come across in areas you previously visited, those mercenaries are kind of a pushover. And by the time you get some of your later uh, abilities, it becomes just ridiculous how easy it is to destroy them. Uh, I, I think it took me about five seconds to defeat some of the mercenaries uh, because there's a point where you get like these big power attacks that you, you can unleash if you have enough force energy. But let's, let's go back to the Dark Soulsiness of the whole series because obviously that's the thing it got compared to the most. There are some similarities to it that don't necessarily work for me. Then there are also some things that changes, which I am very grateful for. So one of the big things is, as you may know in the lore of Star Wars, there really is no fall damage. Anytime you see a character fall somewhere, even if it's like off a planet, chances are they're not dead. The Emperor survives. You know, Darth Maul and Boba Fett... You know, all these characters, it's like, well, they fell. They fell a long way. They're probably dead. Nope, they're back. They come back. Luckily, in Jedi Fallen Order, they apparently took that to heart. And if you do fall off the world, unlike in Dark Souls, where it's instant death, in Jedi Fallen Order, they just, like, set you back on the ledge before you fell off, and you don't take any damage. And I was very appreciative of that, because that used to be one of the real annoying things for me, playing Souls-like games, where you'd just be, like, going along, okay, I, I successfully defeated these really hard monsters, and then you step a little too close to the edge, and you fall off, and you insta-die. I, I really hated those mechanics. They luckily did something about that in Fallen Order, and it's much more forgiving in some of those aspects. Also, being able to do the combat is much more fluid than it is in Dark Souls, because if you play Dark Souls, Demon Souls, any of those, you're going to notice that your character moves very wooden, almost like a tank. It is very rigid the way you control your character. And in Jedi Fallen Order, it definitely feels more fluid. It does feel a lot more like combat in A Prince of Persia to that degree. Something, though, that they, they didn't really take from Dark Souls, which I would have appreciated, is your upgrade system. You do have a few things where if you're going out of your way and you're experiencing different areas of the game, you will uncover really useful upgrades. Uh, like, for instance, your little droid companion, who is obviously a highlight of the game, the droids are always a highlight of Star Wars, can give you little healing stims in the field. And you will find different boxes that allow the, the little droid to carry more of them. That's very useful, and if you also find places out of the way, Cal will discover some upgrades to his health and to his force use. If you, uh, you know, get three in a row, tic-tac-toe, now you've upgraded those bars as well. And uh, those, those are the real meaningful upgrades to the game. Everything else is cosmetic. All of those cases that you're going to find around the world are cosmetic. Uh, custom skins for your poncho and for your lightsaber hilts or your handle or for the spaceship that you don't usually see most of the time, but you can color it to look like it's Boba Fett's um, Slave One. You can color it like it's that, and isn't that fun? And it's nice, but I really would have liked something more detailed, like maybe uh, upgrades to my lightsaber that actually change 
you know, its speed or its damage. And so that I, I had a little bit more customization in my equipment going out into the field. That would have been really nice. There, there's a certain lack of a sense of accomplishment in the game for your exploration. So you're going back over all of these areas and trying to, you know, get into the navigation of all these little crevasses that are around that you missed the first time, but your reward is very minimal, so you wonder why you're doing it. And and that actually brings me to something that was also a problem in Dark Souls, and they, they brought it back here, but it would have been a really great opportunity for them to rectify that, which is um, levels really need to have a fast travel or a waypoint system for you to navigate them, because some of these levels are huge. And they need to have some way for you to quickly navigate them. I found that it was just so much backtracking. And the second you slip off an edge and you're on a lower tier, you got to figure out a way to get back up to the previous area you were at. They will occasionally, just like in Dark Souls, actually have like essentially a ladder or a rope that you can toss down so that it's easier to access those areas. But without a mini-map, without waypointing, w without being able to have a guide or like a GPS or something, or just to be able to fast travel from one meditation point to another, it makes it incredibly difficult for you to get back to those previous areas that you need to go to to unlock all of the what is mostly cosmetic upgrades to your character. Again, a lot of effort being put into getting very little for reward. Another thing that they do that I thought was interesting is that there are areas that are essentially puzzle locations. And they're not overly complicated. It's usually when you get into the tombs where you have to figure out how to get this like giant ball from this area to this area so that you can activate something. And most of the time, this is pretty straightforward. Once in a while, though, the lack of information that they refuse to give you on what to do becomes more apparent. And even when you are offered hints or tips, it's kind of vague. And so one of the best examples I can give you was there was a section where I'm in one of these tombs and you have to burn a rope. It becomes obvious you have to burn a rope with uh, a candle. The rope is behind water. Now, the candles are in these metal shells, but if you take them and you throw them through the water, they're going to uh, automatically be put out, and so they can't, you know, burn the rope. I did not know that what I actually needed to do was to turn on a magnetic field to throw the candle at a wall so that it would stick to that wall, and then I could reposition myself to pick that candle back up and then throw it at the rope from the other side of the waterfall. Those, those elements were really not made clear to me, and it would have been nice if they streamlined that process a little bit more. And in terms of the end game, story was satisfying. I thought that they did a very good job with setting up these characters, uh, setting up, you know, you meet a, one of the Night Sisters, she's great. Um, this, uh, other character, Sari, who, you know, was, like, cut herself off from the Force, and the, uh, character that they have that controls the ship, you know, your companion characters that you meet along the way, and, uh, you know, some of the villains have some interesting, compelling backstories and stuff, and, and I thought that that was very nice, the second sister is the one that you 
normally interact with, the main antagonist of this whole thing. They do a good job of setting that whole thing up, and uh, the end game cameo that they have is, is terrific. I did appreciate it a lot, and really lived up to what they were trying to do, like they followed it through from beginning to end. However, very similar to that whole thing where I said there wasn't a lot of, you know, meaningful upgrades that you found. It was mostly cosmetic. New Game Plus, which comes up after you're done, is very much in that vein. All you really get is a new skin for Cal that you can equip when you start playing the game again. That's it. And you get to keep all of your cosmetic things that you found the first playthrough if you play again. And then you get one special one that you wouldn't get normally. That's it. That's basically it. It does feel like it has a certain lack of something meaningful for the accomplishments that you do. That whole idea of the the reward system is just, there's, there's a bit of a disconnect to it. However, what I do have to applaud is that EA successfully made a game that was single-player focused, that does not have any kind of multiplayer, so they were able to put all of their efforts into the single-player experience, that does not have, like, literally any loot boxes, any gambling mechanics, there are no slot machines for you to, to you, you have to pull the lever on so that you can get the best poncho. There's nothing like that. No microtransactions involved. It, it is, like, free of all of this stuff. It, hopefully it will remain that way. And I appreciate that. I, I, I'm glad that it was so well-received and so well-supported because hopefully it gives EA the idea that, oh, yeah, maybe we should move away from a lot of those predatory sort of mechanics because people don't like them. And, yeah, we might be making some money off of them, but it does seem to be uh, harming the goodwill that we are trying to get from the gaming community. Uh, Overall, though, very enjoyable experience. I would suggest that if you're not a big Souls-like person, that maybe just try it in story mode. You're going to just have more fun with it in general. And and there are still some assorted bugs in it, but the overall experience is pretty satisfying, and I think that they did a, a good overall job. I'll be interested to see if they do a sequel, and I would like to see some more planets. I did appreciate seeing things like Dathomir and Kashyyyk, I, I would like to see, they, they had mentioned real briefly, like, Nar Shaddaa, and I would have really liked to see Nar Shaddaa as one of the playable planets. It's not in there, sorry, spoilers. But I, I would have really loved to see the crime planet Metropolis that was Nar Shaddaa, which I experienced in uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2. I would like to see that in the world of Fallen Order, being able to parkour your way around those levels. That would be great. This is the part where I would tell you about another great game that you might want to consider playing that is in this same vein, and I'm not going to do it with any kind of Souls-like game, because you know how I already feel about that. But in terms of, yeah, action Star Wars-y games, I think that it is fair to reiterate, uh, like, Force Unleashed. Uh, It also has some upgrades. There is a much more detailed upgrade system in Fallen Order, but the general idea of being able to go around as Starkiller in those games and be a badass Jedi that's doing badass Jedi things, and in that one, actually, you also get dark side force powers. In this one, you're only getting, like, force push, force pull. You know, the ones that you traditionally associate with the good guys of the force. 
in Force Unleashed, though, you do get to tap into like Force Lightning and some some really cool things there. Uh, the mission structure is much more linear. You don't get to go back to different planets and everything, at least in the first one. I can't remember about the second one. I don't think so. So if you have not gotten the chance to check it out, it's a little older now. It should be fairly easy for you to find. It should run on even an older system. And uh, you should be able to find it on the cheap, even in the like, Steam store or something like that. Anyway, thank you for joining us. And uh, mind your head out of... You're already gone, aren't you? I'm just talking to myself now. Typical. <laughs>